Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. Today we are going to start a new book, that is the book of Nehemiah, uh, or in English, Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, traditionally, is really not its own book. It's really part of the book of Ezra. Traditionally, according to Chazal, according to the rabbis, Ezra and Nehemiah were all one book called Ezra. But over the years, it became separated into two books because the second half is um, discussing mostly the exploits of another leader, another very important leader, very different from Ezra, uh, and his name was Nehemiah, hence the name of the second half of this book. Before we begin Nehemiah, I want to set the stage and the stage for what's about to happen, what we're about to start reading about in Nehemiah, was really um, uh, begun to be set by Ezra in his book in chapter 4 of Ezra. If you recall, when we studied chapter 4 of Ezra, the beginning of that chapter uh, kind of gave us a little brief summary of <laughs> what was to come in the history of the kings of Persia. Now, just to remind you, um, there's a lot of different, over the years there have been many different attempts at reconciling which, which Persian king was who and what events mentioned in, uh, by the uh, Nevi'im were happened under which king and so on. So the chronologies can be very confusing. The chronology that I have been using is for the most part the same chronology that is used in the um, Dat Mikra series by Musadarov Cook, and almost, for the most part, almost all the, the, the convergence of current scholarship, current biblical scholarship, together with archaeological scholarship and other works of history and literature, seem to um, agree uh, on certain basics. So I'm going to. Um, that, that's the chronology that I've been using. So if we go back to Ezra 4, he reminded us of several things. That the first major Persian king who, comp, who um, after the fall of the Babylonian Empire, was Koresh, or Cyrus. And under Cyrus began the policy of allowing the Jewish people to go back to and resettle the land. We read about these... Um, this as it happened in early Ezra, we read the accounts of the return of the people. We read in Zechariah and Malachi accounts of this that, that returned under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Yoshua uh, ben Yosadak as the people came back under the reign of Cyrus. We, we also read about how under, in the reign of Cyrus there was a lot of... Um, uh, people making trouble, they, they, they didn't let them build, and it was back and forth between the people and the king, and in the end, they, the people were only able to establish the Mizbeach, the altar, but they weren't really able to rebuild the base Hamikdash. We, not, we know from history that there was then a king after Cyrus, was Cambyses, then another one, and then, which very short time, and then the Darius the first. It was under Darius the first we read that so during the, the reign of those kings of so some 20 plus years there was no uh, more building of the Beit HaMikdash until the reign of Darius under whom the people did finally get permission to build and they built 
the base Hamikdash, although it was a small building, it was not what people hoped for, and so on. After the reign of Darius in Ezra four, we mentioned. Um, I'm looking at pasuk um, uh, six, uh, verse six, chapter four. Then there was the king Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus, who was the king of of fame from the book of Esther, <clears throat> under whom a decree was made to kill the Jews in the kingdom. And this decree we mentioned was also mentioned in Ezra 4, where it says, In the beginning of his kingdom, he wrote a bad decree regarding Yoshvihuda, the residents of Judah and Jerusalem. So after Darius, when the um, Beit HaMikdash, the temple was built, and the Jews were, uh, things were looking good, comes Ahasuerus, and we know from history that the king that followed Darius was Xerxes, who was almost uh, certainly the king Ahasuerus of the Esther story, and the king Ahasuerus mentioned in the Ezra chapter 4. After Ahasuerus was another king named Artachshasta, and in English that is known as Artaxerxes. So again, there's... Um, Cyrus, Cambyses, another guy, Darius, Xerxes, and Artaxerxes. In Hebrew, that would be Koresh, skipping the next two because they're not mentioned in the Bible. Nothing major happened that was relevant to them. After Koresh, there's Daryavesh, then Achashverosh, then Artachshasta. The story of Nehemiah happens during the time of Artachshasta, Artaxerxes. So it is after the time of Zerubbabel and Yeshua ben Yotzarak, they have left the scene. Their successors are now the leadership. It is after the time of Ahasuerus and Mordechai and his leadership in Shushan. It is now the time, <clears throat> it is after the time of Ezra. As we read before, it is now the reign of Artaxerxes, Artaxasta, and which is some approximately 80 years after the Jews started to return to the land under Cyrus. So just keep that in mind that by the time Nehemiah arrives, Nehemiah arrives in the Holy Land, the people have already been there, the Jews have already been there trying to rebuild the Second Temple for several generations for approximately 80 years. Now, let's go back again to Ezra 4 because this is really important. During the days of Artachshasta, we read the following story starting in verse 7 of chapter 4 of Ezra that a person by the name of several people in the name of Bishlam, Mitridas, and Tovel note Tovel, that's Tes, Vav the, the word Tov, Tov, which means good El, which is a word for a god, Ushar Kinovosov, and all the other guys that gathered around those guys wrote a letter to Artaxerxes, to Artaxasta, the king of Persia. And basically, <clears throat> you'd have to go back to my reading of Ezra 4 to hear the, the, the entire letter in its, in its uh, entirety. But what they wrote in that letter was, is that we are all the people that reside here in the land of Judea. And we were sent here by the Assyrian kings who preceded you, the great Assyrian kings, settling in the towns of Shomron, Samaria. This is a hint as to who this Tov'el is, this 
God is good was the meaning of his name. Um, <clears throat> but he wasn't such a great guy in this narrative. Um, we all came and settled here. And then these Jews showed up. <clears throat> and when they showed up, they started rebuilding Jerusalem. And by rebuilding Jerusalem, we know from history that when they had their first temple here, every time they rebuilt their city, they rebelled against the kings that were over them. And these guys are going to rebel against you too. So we need to stop this building from happening. And if you remember, Artach Shasta sent a message answering them. He read this decree and he answered them the following. This is the, the message, the letter that the king is writing back. Um, I have read your letter. I'm, I'm summarizing this in my own words. And I'm giving an order, and I gave an order um, to, uh, uh, to search into this history and see what the history of this, this particular province is. Apparently, this province wasn't so well known. It was a small, minor province in the, um, from the perspective and vantage point of the Persian king. And I saw that you're right. There were kings in Jerusalem, and they were constantly rebelling, just like you said. And they constantly rebelled by stopping to pay taxes and so on. So, and I'm reading, I'm going to read this, cha this verse, Ezra chapter 4, verse 21, because this is really important. Ka'an simutem. I want you to issue the following order. Levatolo guvraya ilech. To stop these people from building. I don't want you to build their city. Until I give a new order allowing them to build it. So this was like a temporary stop order. So the people, these people, um, um, meant as they wrote in the area of Shomron, under the leadership of several people, including this Tov El person, were successful to some degree in getting the, build, the Jews to stop building the temple. And it was under this king and this time, after this decree, that the following book of Nehemiah is about to begin. Divrei Nehemiah, I'm going to start to read Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. Divrei Nehemiah ben Chachalia. These are the words of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, the son of Chachalia. He and this story that I'm about to say, in other words, this book is written by Nehemiah himself, and we'll see a lot of it is written in first person by his own hand. By he, when did this story occur? It was in the Chodesh Kislev, in the month of Kislev. Shnas Esrim, the 20th year, and most agree that the this is the 20th year of the reign of King Artaxasta, the reign of King Artaxerxes. And if you map out the years of the kings of Persia, which are well known today to archaeologists, to historians, to biblical historians. This would be about 80 years from when Cyrus allowed the Jews back. And I, Habira, I was in the capital Shushan. Far away, I was in Persia, the capital of Susa, which is far away from the land of Israel. However, I have family that had made aliyah, so to speak, that were living with the Jews who had went. Now remember, in Shushan, this occurred, Nehemiah is living in Shushan about at least 20 years, maybe 30 to 40 years or so after the story of Mordechai and Esther happened in Shushan. There's still a large Jewish community in Shushan, which is the capital of Persia. Nehemiah has a brother who lives in Jerusalem. 
where the people are, were trying to build a temple and had just had their plans stopped and foiled by these Shomronim, the people living in Samaria, the Samarit, otherwise known as the Samaritans, and had successfully had a stop order from the king issued. But the king left a little bit of an opening, said, until I finish my, um, my uh, search on this matter. In other words, this is what I, I want you to stop building, but I'm, I'm still looking into this. I may give an order allowing the building to continue. So, one of my brothers, Hanani, who we know was, and we'll see later, this was Nehemiah's actual brother, uh, and other people from came as a um, delegation from Judea. They came to Shushan. And I asked them regarding the well-being over the, the, the Jewish people that were the remnants of the, of the Jewish nation. Asher Nisharum and Ashevi that had been that had remained from the captivity as we've seen several times this term from the captivity seems to mean all of the jewish people at this time consider themselves the remnants of the captives referring back to the old babylonian captivity and now there is a group of them living in jerusalem and I also asked regarding the state of affairs in Jerusalem. Clearly, he knew that there's a lot going on, that there was all this back and forth. Now, my brother and several others came. I wanted to know what was the situation on the ground because he was very concerned because of all the things we just mentioned. And they told me, those that had been left over from the captivity, Medina, there in the, in the um, province of Judea, and they said, it is, it is, it, they're in bad shape. They're poor, they're impoverished, and they're embarrassed and ashamed. In other words, the other people, the other various tribes, specifically, as we'll see soon, the Samaritan tribe and several others are, 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 are ruling over them. And the Judeans, the Jews themselves, are, are, are on downtrodden and the walls of Jerusalem are smashed down and broken and the gateways to the to them the, have been burned in flames in other words the walls are down and destroyed and they can't rebuild because remember the king had made this decree not allowing it and it was says Nehemiah this is verse 4 when I heard these things I sat and I cried, and for many days I mourned, and I cried out in, in, in fasting, and I prayed before the God of the heavens. And I said to God, Please God, the Lord of the heavens, the great and awesome God. These are words that... Um, we're familiar with in the beginning of the Amidah, the beginning of Shmonesrei, Kalkel Hagadol, but we say the term Hagibor Vihanora, the powerful in the Nora. But according to Chazal, we know they left the term, Nehemiah left the term Gibor out because God was appearing weak, so to speak, as they say in, in, in Hebrew, Kaviyachol, so to speak. Obviously, God is not actually weak, but his appearance to the world is weak. His temple, his city, his people are downtrodden. Shomer habris v'chesed, but you, God, you're the one who guards the covenant. You keep the covenant. You still have this agreement with us, v'chesed, and you, and you keep 
this kindness to those who love him and those that keep his mitzvot, those that keep his commandments. Nechami continues his prayer. Your ear should listen, and your eyes should be open to see lishmoa and to listen to the prayer of your servant. That I am praying before you today, day and night, regarding the the descendants of Israel, your servant umitvadeh, and I am confessing. Al Khatot regarding the sins of Israel of the of the people of Israel, Asher Khatonullah, that we have sinned before you, Va'ani, and I, Ubais Avi Khatanu, and my father's my entire family have sinned. This is a, a lot of the prayers during the, the days of repentance and the synagogue are designed after this prayer. Always in other words, you always approach God, that you always approach as God as a sinner. We know and we admit our faults. We don't walk in arrogantly and say that we deserve this because, we, because we're great, but we understand our faults. We have done bad to you. We have not keeping at mitzvot, the commandments, and the laws, and the um, Rules Hashar Tivita at Moshe Avdecha that you commanded Moshe Moses your servant. Zichar no esadavar. Please God, remember that which uh, that thing uh, that that promise Hashar Tivita as Moshe Avdecha Lemer that you uh, when uh, when you commanded your servant Moshe Moses Lemer saying attempt him alu if you rebel against me then ani afitzetchem ba'amim then I will scatter you among the nations. This is all very familiar from the book of Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, which Nehemiah is paraphrasing in his own words, but using some of the same words as are found in Deuteronomy and clearly conveying the messages there. But if you return to me, at verse 9, and you keep my mitzvot, and you do them, then even if you are scattered and you are dispersed, to the ends of the heavens, from the farthest places on the planet, I will gather you, and I will bring you back to the place that I have chosen, to make my name reside there. I will bring you back to Jerusalem if you behave yourselves. And they are, they are your servants. They are your nation. Asher Padisa, that you redeemed Once upon a time, you redeemed them when they left Egypt with great strength, with a powerful hand. And now, look, you're bringing them back to Jerusalem, but now they're destitute, they're poor, they're downtrodden, they're oppressed, they're abused, they're, um, they're being humiliated by their enemies. Please God, make your ear listen to the prayer of your servant and to the prayers of all of your servants that desire they want to do good, they want to fear your name. Now we get the idea of what Nehemiah is praying for. Constantly and consistently we'll get the idea from Nehemiah. Nehemiah embodies what is one of the most important values in the religion of Judaism, and that is prayer must always be backed up by action. You can drop and cry first. And we've had this several times. We reminded us in the book of Ezra, don't just pray, 
stand there and do something, get up and act. And this is how Nechemi is telling us, that I'm asking you, God, to please make your servant today be successful in his mission because I'm about to do something. I want you to place me for mercy, meaning I want you to, that I, when I appear in front of before this man, this king, in front of whom I am about to go and plead, um, I want you to please God and put me in front of him in an environment, in a, in a situation where he will look upon me in a positive light. And by the way, Nechemia says, I, at the time, was the Mashkel HaMelech. I was in charge of giving the king to drink, which was, in those times, a high position, a very trusted position to the king, because this would be a common way, of course, to poison the king. So Nehemiah was a trusted assistant of the king. And this is why Nehemiah is explaining why he had access. Nehemiah, in his humility, mentions this at the end, just because he didn't want to brag about his position to begin with, but he mentions this on the end just so that you, the reader, should understand where he comes from, what is his position, why he can come in front of the king. So he heard the news from Jerusalem. He heard that the building ha had stopped, that the walls need repair. The place is falling apart. The people are downtrodden and being oppressed. I'm going to stand in front of the king and ask for mercy, ask the king to reverse his decree. And we will learn when we read chapter 2 together what happened when Nehemiah appeared before the king. Thank you so much for studying chapter 1 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 2 and the rest of this beautiful book together.